Hi and welcome to Arrow's coverage of Infosec 2019. We are once again asking the hard questions of our vendors, finding out what their priorities are into 2020 and how they intend to help our channel to develop to address the ever-changing security landscape. We hope you enjoy this series, and if so, please subscribe. I'm here again, and uh, I've got a fantastic tour speaker from Scout. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Bob Renee, and I'm the EMEA CTO here based in London. Uh, as you can tell by my fantastic, say, yeah. my very, fantastic accent. Your very London accent. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from Colorado in the United States. Oh, uh, brought my family over here uh, to work with Scout and expand the business we're doing with our partners and our customers. Love Colorado. We're, uh, we're based out of Denver. Yes. So uh, I, know, I know Colorado very well. I spent a lot of time there this year alone, to be frank. Yeah, we have a cattle ranch just east of Colorado Springs. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, the traditional America, you want a white picket fence and a ranch house, that's what we're building out there. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I must admit, I'm very envious. It's a, an incredible yeah. lifestyle that, yeah. uh, that my, my colleagues over in, uh, over in Denver have. So, uh, but anyway, we digress. So, for Scout, um, it's been a vendor of ours for a good few years now. Yes. But, you know, quite often um, the listeners of our podcast, they don't necessarily. They don't come from a traditional security background, or they may come from a traditional security background, but be very focused in on one vendor. So could you give us a bit of a thousand foot view as to who Forescout are, where they've come from, and, and what they are? Yeah, so uh, what's really interesting about the business line that we sit in is we address three big business pains for our customers. Um, when we're talking to a CIO or CISO, um, the first thing we, we talk about is incident, incident management. When something happens, and whether it's a security incident or even just you know some typical outage, people want visibility into who, what, when, where yep. that incident has happened. So we give them that clarity. Uh, if it's IP connected and the orchestration with our partners to collect that data, present it in something that's actionable with, with the operator. The second part of that is anything that connects to the network or, or most things that are gonna be connecting to your network infrastructure, um, they need to understand, is it introducing risk to the organization? So that revolves around just being able to assess risk for that device. Now, I'm not identifying that device as far as having to deploy an agent to assess that risk either. That's the big, big step up for us in why we're so competitive in this market space and why we're leading that technology is to be able to assess that risk um, through a myriad of, of methods. But whether it's IoT, OT, sitting on the campus in the data center or even in the cloud, we're gonna be able to provide organi organizational clarity to that device connecting to the infrastructure. So, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from some experience, um, when you go into organizations and they say, but I know all the things that are connected to my network. I mean, here's, here's my map, but these are my printers, these are my endpoints, these are my Wi-Fi networks, I'm done. I, I agree. Uh, a lot of times people will say that to us. Um, but but when what's we, the reality? But when we connect to those, <laughs> what we do is interrogate the actual network. When you want to know what's on the network, you talk to the network first. So we talk to the network and we're usually showing you know, 30, 30 plus percent devices they didn't know about <laughs> on their network. Wow, and what are these? I mean. So as an example, what, what are these devices? I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, what, what would they be? Like 
mobile phones or yeah mobile devices uh, iPads iPhones so the traditional you know kind of manageable endpoints um, on workstations and and desktops uh, into the server infrastructure but then you look at IOT it kind of changes that that uh, dynamic a lot um, IOT's definition has evolved significantly even in the <laughs> yeah. past two years um, so it's from like at our office at headquarters in San Jose we've got two robots Elliot and Harriet Harriet um, and you can follow them on Twitter if you want to. That's pretty cool. But uh, they are our um, eyes and ears for security, uh, both in and outside of our office, um, to security cameras, to mobile, uh, you know, voice over IP devices, to the televisions, um, and even, you know, a traditional like Sony PlayStation or Xbox sitting on corporate enterprises. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And all of these are essentially expanding the threat landscape. Yes. Yeah, so that landscape has now evolved from the traditional peri uh, perimeter behind the firewall to now the true edge is the, the device connecting to the network because it, it needs internet connectivity to be able to do its job at some level. And what about um, when we talk about remote workers where they're VPNing from home and essentially extending the network out, I mean, does, yes. does that become a threat as well? Yeah, that's, that's part of a device attaching to your network, trying to connect to your servers in the data center or in the cloud. Is that cloud public or private? Where the device is connecting to is a VPN um, into your corporate infrastructure. Um, and then is that bringing also what's on the home network into the corporate infrastructure? So once we've actually done the discovery, what's, what's the next step? Because obviously you've now got, a, you've now got the attention of the, of the CIO and the CISO going, oh my God, we've literally got this huge sway of, of unmanaged, unknown devices sitting on a network that could be that could be perfectly sort of fine and, and people's iPads that they brought in to, you know, do work or, or, you know, chill out during their lunch hour. But it also could be, you know, network or devices that could be either compromised or, or possibly compromised. So what's the next step? What's, what's the next bit of the process? I, I love that question for a couple of things. The first two business drivers we've talked about a little bit, um, but the third business value driver that Forescat really brings to that is answers that question. It's automation, right? You have different verticals of endpoint, network, and security teams that are trying to work better together. If I was to quote like General Stanley McChrystal's book, Team of Teams, um, he talks about being able to share information um, better within people. Um, and you need to automate processes as much as possible to accelerate sharing of that infor uh, information. And that's really what we, we do as a technology is the next step of visibility is now sharing that information more effectively to the peer technology and the people that are managing those processes. And even better yet is the stickiness of management for um, a CIO. Is he's trying to keep that, that operator productive but also not have to do repetitive tasks. So let's take a lot of those manual tasks that he's been doing, um, accelerate them, and then just automate them so he doesn't have to do them again because you remove the, the human error out of that process. Okay, so essentially we're gonna take, we're gonna find a problem, find a solution to it. That solution may well have been log into something, disable or block a port or block an access or block a user. Um, but now we're going to eventually automate that whole process. Correct. That's incredible. Yeah, take, take that full circle is you identify a new device as it connects, validate is it introducing you know, some kind of vulnerability into the infrastructure. Um, if not, 
give it some kind of access, but an ability to remediate, automate that remediation, and then reprovision its access onto the infrastructure. And then once it's on the network, continue to monitor what it's doing. You know, does that threat change once it's on the network? Is it trying to access something that it shouldn't be? Um, and, and not just us assessing that, but it, you know, receive information from our peer technologies. You know. So when you say your peer technologies, can you just expand a bit about what you mean by that? So peer technologies have contextual information about the endpoint that will further validate, is it, has that risk state changed? Uh, look at FireEye, look at uh, Palo Alto, um, look at Splunk even as a SIM solution. Um, they have contextual information about the endpoint that they've collected or themselves or from other technologies share that back with us. So you end up with a real, a properly collaborative sort of information sharing system whereby you're not just turning around going, right, we think this device is this, we're sticking our heads in the sand, completely siloed set of information. You're actually turning around going, this device could be problematic, but actually this could also be exactly how it's meant to function because it is a an X device rather than a laptop. It's a, I don't know, a piece of technology that constantly sends data back or, or you know, a weather station or something completely innocuous but actually has a totally different profile. Therefore, you go away and don't just look inside your own box. I mean, it, it's exactly right. Um, it, something comes onto the network, maybe it's not doing anything. It's a refrigerator and it's reporting back to um, the sensor that has to keep the history that the refrigerator internal temperature was always a certain temperature. You know, it's cool for the things that are being stored inside that refrigerator. Yeah. Um, that intelligence needs to operate mean, um, you know, and talk to one server all the time. Now, if that changes and it's no longer talking to the server and it's no longer being stored, does that change the dynamic of the business process that's impacted? You know, there may be some chemicals or some medical um, function of that uh, stuff that's being stored in the refrigerator that is now impacted because there's no history yeah. That that process was even validated. So that's, that's a business sorry. risk. That's a really interesting point, and it sort of brings me on to, you know, I think we use quite a lot of um, light-hearted examples of IoT, like fridges and light bulbs. But actually, when we start to talk about more traditional operational technologies, um, you know, critical infrastructure, and sort of, for example, if you've got an elevator or a, a lift in a in a building. Yep. Day one, you know, that technology has not been designed with security in mind. It's been designed so that if it fails, it'll stop in a safe place. Yes. And it won't, you know, hurtle back down again. And, you know, and that's about it, really. And obviously, we want to be able to make that more intelligent so that we can do predictive maintenance on it, so we can do... But actually, it's almost impossible to turn around and put an agent in it or re-engineer the software that the thing's made of to sort of secure it so that you can get all of the data that you want from it, but actually if it becomes compromised, you're not literally letting it straight, you know, letting a uh, bad actor essentially walk straight onto your network through your elevator. It's a real balance, and I think it sounds like Forescout have got a solution whereby you can put a technology in which is very passive to the device, but very powerful at the core to be able to understand and, and, and al analyze what's going on. Yeah, there's a business function for those devices to be there. Um, moving people up and down. Um, first off, you want to think about safety. Absolutely. What is the impact? And then is it available to be used? They purchased and invested, but the buying cycle tends to be a little bit different in those technologies too. And that's part of what introduces some of the risk. 
longevity for a device uh, in operational technology is 10, 15, 20 years versus a typical IoT device, which might be even disposable now. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of the problems, isn't it? You know, we look at um, we look at these technologies, and, all, and I think actually, if we're not just looking at new IoT technologies, but we're looking at the existing infrastructure we've got in place, and you know, we don't want to have to rip and replace it or rewrite it. We want to be able to retrofit um, a level of bringing the information onto our network. We want to be able to retrofit, but quite often that's not the case, not possible, because when you go to the device manufacturer, they turn and go, well, you can't change the code, if you open the, the control system up for that and plug something into it, we're not going to support that. So you've got this risk, so this balancing act of you want to be able to monitor and understand and quantify, but at the same time, you don't want to end up in a situation where you're leaving your network, this, this massive threat vector of all these different devices that could you know, possibly be bad actors. Or, or even a custom OS that is or a custom application that is used just in your business, right? People have invested a lot of intellectual property yeah, into those processes on their own, so it is custom code at that point to be able to monitor and manage. So that's what we're finding a lot. Now the passive interrogation that we have, and I and I don't I use the term interrogation passive, they sound a little dichotomic, dichotic there, but in reality, it's that collection of data um, that allows us to present to that operator, is this device risk changed, and risk is that calculation of probability versus value, right, um, in that sense. But now the probability is understanding what type of device it is, what process is it managing, and in that process, is there a change or state? Yeah. So, we've had visibility, we've discussed the, the visibility piece of, of Forescout, we've discussed the sort of, the ability to interrogate and understand but I think the last piece that we discussed was the remediation, automated remediation. Yeah. So can you give us some examples of, of what, how Forescout goes about actually performing or working with collaborative partners to actually provide the remediation? Because obviously, if we've discovered, we've detected there's a problem, it's four o'clock in the morning, all of my network guy, all my sort of, uh, my CISOs are asleep, my security guys are asleep. Yeah. How do we fix the problem? So it, let's actually use some reward scenarios Perfect, of what yeah. we've done for some of our customers. Um, got an interesting call real late one night, and the customer basically said, I have devices offline and I can't figure it out why. And what had happened was um, a virus had been propagating across the network, um, and those devices were trying to get elsewhere. And what we had identified was that propagation event happening, and the policy was automatically set for that customer to start taking those devices off of line. Um, and, but there wasn't, it was a zero day event, so there was no flag saying, this is actually what's happening. It's just the profile of those endpoints and what they were trying to do against a specific service was propagating, right? And so at that point, we get on the phone with them, we start looking at what's going on, and we identified that literally it was something attacking SMB. What does that sound like? It sounds like WannaCry or NonPetya and those kind of vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. And that's really what was happening was they had a minor event of some of the major endpoints from manageable endpoints, you know, yep. some of their Windows devices that had been compromised from their travelers were trying to come back onto the network when we were taken off, offline. So we were automating that process uh, automatically. Now the remediation effort is actually fairly simple. Identify A is the 
uh, antivirus or threat protection system that's built into that host up to date and responsive to be able to block it? Yeah. Or is there a specific patch to um, be applied on those devices and verify that that patch exists? And if not, force the update to happen. Yeah. And then that automation process literally just it becomes a managed event for us to be able to, oh look, we've identified this has SMBV1 vulnerabilities, it needs this certain patch based on this OS, and then re-verify if the patch has been applied and then provision it back access because the risk, risk has been reduced. So that's, that's <laughs> the way you've described it, it sounds quite simple, but actually that's, a, that's not a sort of simplistic task to achieve at minor scale, let alone when you might have 10, 100, thousands of these devices in the wild that are all going to essentially be taken offline by this one innocuous event. Uh, innocuous. WannaCry wasn't innocuous I, in any yeah. sense. Obviously <laughs> the impact that we've all seen in the media and stuff like that, but uh, the orchestration of that process. Um, first you have to identify source. Yep. What type of operating system is being impacted and then what type of patches are required for that. Um, then you also have to identify how do you manage that endpoint. Um, and usually it goes from the network guy to find where it's at. And then the Windows manager to ver verify they can actually manage that event. And then also to be able to apply some kind of control at the firewall or the yep. gateway or the router. Um, but yeah, that's not easy. And that's the integration that is fairly straightforward with Forescout is very simple, manage the, the network infrastructure, start collecting data. Um, through feeds, either NetFlow or Span or Tap or other data sources, and then be able to then interact with those disparate systems like Microsoft SCCM to be able to push the patch to the domain managed asset, et cetera, um, and then re-verify either through vulnerability assessment or just interrogation of the endpoint directly is the, the KB number been applied in certain patch. Very that seamless. A, that was literally my next question was, We've heard about the fact that you utilize all these sort of uh, information sources to determine and do the assessment of whether or not something is fault, uh, you know, at risk or not. Yep. But then downstream, that, that sort of uh, the fixing, so when we found a problem and we want to actually fix the problem, yep. downstream you also have integrations into third-party solutions as well, like yes. SCCM and... Microsoft SCCM, vulnerability assessment like Qualys, Rapid7, um, wow. as far as a vulnerability assessment. And we've even got customers that have developed some of their own scripts to do verifications that get deployed fairly quickly. Um, and then we also present, when a big event hits the news, is people want a policy that simply they can just deploy and, yeah. and, and deploy. So our own security analysis teams will give some of that data back to the customers um, to be able to just automate and validate you know, holistically and then present it as a dashboard to their executive team. Which is all they want to see. Yep. Fantastic. Well, look, really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you ever so much. Great conversation. Yep. And, uh, yeah, if people want to find you, where should they look? Could we? Yeah, you can uh, see me online at, at meetcyberbob.com uh, or meetcyberbob um, on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Forescout's website. Um, you can look at the blogs and stuff. We're talking about business risk and Fantastic. being able to mitigate that um, and send me an email. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bob. Really appreciate your time. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Definitely. Cheers. For sure. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Please come back again next week for the next instalment of our exciting coverage from InfoSec 2019. See you then.